Hello, and welcome to season two of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I am your host, Emily Wishall, and I am an embodiment coach, a certified rolfer, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. And this season, I am excited to bring you guests and interviews. So there will be 12 episodes for season two, and I will be interviewing people who have been coaches, teachers of mine in the embodiment world, the coaching world, feminine manifesting business, and just people that I have a lot of deep respect for and was curious to hear their take on embodiment and what they had to say in that conversation. So I hope you enjoy the conversations as much as I enjoyed recording them and that you have some clear, tangible takeaways and insights and that they inspire you to live a more radically embodied life. So let's go into the episodes. Hi, everyone. Here I am with Marlo Fiskin. Marlo, thank you again for doing this, and I'm excited to hear your wisdom. I'm ready for this adventure that we're about to go on. (laughs) Um, So I like to start these conversations with the question of what does embodiment mean to you? Well, I have the great fortune of being a moving person, a lot of moving (laughs) throughout my entire life. So this inclination to move and knowing that moving is integral to my well-being I think is is tied to this sense of embodiment and just staying really connected to that urge, the the knowing that when things come up that feel a little bit like agitation or they they feel just there's a feeling there that's that's strong that movement is one of the best things that we could possibly do to process what's coming up, whether it's just a sensation of like a nagging, an ache, I call them like the 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 things that sometimes we we note and say, oh, my something hurts or like, oh, I really should stretch that, that it, it has become instinctual for me to use movement and to take a moment to connect with the sensations and ultimately the, the pleasure of moving right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think perhaps embodiment, I at least partially equate that with being able to like heed your body's need for movement, being able to note the ways that your body says, like, I'm hungry to be moved or I'm, I'm hungering for stillness and then, and then do that, do that thing. Hmm. So it sounds like, like an honoring of more quickly noticing feeling when a certain sensation or discomfort or not even discomfort of being able to more quickly and readily recognize if your body's wanting to move and how it wants to move and yeah i think you know if if somebody's well attuned to what nourishes them most in terms of food you know Mm -hmm. they're better able to say well i'm hungry and what specifically am i hungry for and Mm -hmm. and have that that nuanced understanding of oh you know what i'm I'm in the need for something that's like a lot of protein right now And, and you know and that's a skill that you can develop and similarly with with being in your body for like feeling there's a lot of a lot of buzziness um you could 
stay there with that buzziness and maybe have difficulty doing what you're doing or you could say like or just not even say not even think just know that that means like it's time for bouncing <laughs> it's bounce time yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and i have a i need a lot of bounce time personally <laughs> so i was gonna ask that like how does that like say you're like in a day working and you're on your computer and you're feeling mm -hmm. starting to because that can happen to me in email world i can start like if if computer glitches happen i easily my nervous system i get heightened i'm like Arr! so if you have yeah. something like that happen what what do you do in those moments well you know i'm gonna say that i i've i think i've gotten to a point where i i set up my body for the particular type of work that needs to be done and if it's something like emails which i really struggle with like emails or even like just caption writing something like that i know that i want to be standing i have my wobble stool and i have music on like very rhythmic music mm. something that's like i'm going to be bouncing and like shaking and <laughs> because i can answer emails and be dancing at least pretty pretty well from the from the ribs down at the same time and it it turns something that's drudgery into something that actually feels good, you know, to, yeah. to be doing that. So, um, but of course, I I still catch myself. Uh, it's often when I have to do work on the phone that uh, I, I almost just kind of smile at it now. Like I register, like my knee is so twisted, and I'm like to have been sitting here feeling the discomfort and ignoring it you know, for, for like two, three minutes and then, okay, well, remember that was, that was <laughs> that, that signal to move has been there, but you've been so engrossed in what you're doing. So, um, yeah, just getting better at setting myself up for being able to more instinctually respond to my body's needs, because certainly some work setups make it really hard to make the adjustments, um, really naturally. Yeah. So, I want to go back to what you said about your body signal to move, because I think that's key and where it feels important to speak to, because I think it can be easy to override or ignore or not hear that until it becomes so loud that you can't ignore. Um, yeah. So do you mind just like speaking to what do you mean by your body signal to move and how could somebody help access that a little bit yeah. more readily i know it's a kind well, of a lot but yeah no i mean I'll, I'll i'll go right to my like direct experience in this moment i feel tight in the front of my neck and throat now i slept and had kind of a weird neck night like a couple times recently so i've been feeling funky in my neck also trained acrobatic stuff this morning so sometimes when you're doing like bridgey stuff and coming up a lot of the muscles in the front of your neck are working pretty hard <laughs> And it could also be because I'm in this moment with you on a podcast and I need to speak. And so there might be some like constriction around the throat, all of those things combined. Um, and um, there's, of course, we can we can move by like moving uh, our, our joints, but also using touch. And so something that would feel good for me in this moment is just starting to put my hands on where I'm feeling tension, these big old honking muscles, the SCMs in the front of my neck and kind of just use my my hands to move my tissues because that's also movement right just like mm -hmm. we can we can move our move and create some glide between the layers of our body so you know that, that's i i was noticing my neck is kind of tight and i could continue to try to have this conversation and 
maybe try to ignore it or I could also talk and take care of it at the same time. <laughs> totally. I weird. I love that yeah. so much, right? And actually I'm like, I want to touch my neck. Wanna, right? Let's all I I've been like feel listening. I've been feeling my legs. I I do that a lot when I'm on video because like I'm such a touch person is I'll just naturally just kind of like massage and touch my my legs because I think it helps keep me more grounded versus like, ooh, I'm on video. Um, but I love that that's like the both and, right? It's like you don't have to, okay, this is my hour in the morning when I move my body or when my, you know, this is when I'm thinking about my body. We're in our body all the time, 24-7. And to start being able to, oh, I'm noticing my neck is uncomfortable. It doesn't mean I have to know okay, tonight I'm going to remember to do X, Y, and Z. It's like also right now I could tend to it in this conversation. You know, I can wiggle my arm. I can wiggle my shoulder. I can touch my neck. And I find one of the things I so appreciate and respect about you so much, Marlo, is I, especially like using your large platform for providing more permission for us to move in places and experiences where, people aren't often moving, but probably want to be moving, but like, it looks weird or strange or yeah. It, yeah. That's, um, something I've fallen into quite naturally. And I, and I, I don't know how that that's started becoming so central to like what it feels like I'm here to share. Um, mm. but at least I'm sure that at least partially it, it just originated in, in my own discomfort in so many of the places and cultural environments that I found myself in. And like, I just perhaps knew but from, <laughs> from my background, um, just being, being maybe a performer makes it okay if people see me moving, but recognizing mm -hmm. like, I, I, it's okay for me to take this, be wiggling in the grocery store or, um, use more self-touch than is most conventionally appropriate you know like okay it's all right to touch your own hands people often do hand fidgeting um you know small non not too long facial touching is like somewhat you know okay but then there's a lot of other uh levels of duration of touch or what areas of the body you touch and of course i'm not talking about like self-pleasuring in the grocery store <laughs> you know that'd be like a else. whole other spectrum <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time the x-rated grocery store it's only open on fridays after 11 p.m i'm laughing though at the phrase self-pleasuring because i'm like no but that's actually what i am doing all the yeah. time i'm just not yeah. trying to like have an orgasm you know yeah. but it is like there's there's like there's energy that I want to tend to and I do in some ways feel more aroused and like attuned to life because I've been like you know pleasuring myself by moving or by um touch like oh and you're waking yourself skin. up even from that proprioceptive sense right you're continuously yeah. waking your body up you're helping with cortical mapping and it is pleasurable it feels good and I think it's life-giving it is that sense of aliveness that instead of just trying to like mentally override the discomfort and be like, I'm okay. Or I'm just going to release the anxiety. I love that. You're just like, I'm just going to move. I'm going to wiggle it. I'm going to touch it. And how that can evoke so much more presence and enjoyment and just actually be in the interaction or be in the scenario. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's hard for people, you know, it can be, it can be hard to drop into those things. Um, my, 
my favorite gateway towards willingness to try things that might make us a little uncomfortable is always like humor and playfulness. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, within, within classes, I sometimes bring people into like this little bit of a world that I'm creating where they become more willing to, let's say, like vigorously rub their, their thigh meat back and Mm -hmm. forth. And it's because it's actually not done with a, like a seriousness I often find people are more willing to to do it so yeah like approaching some of these things that can be such prickly areas for us like maybe touching some regions of our body or moving in public um through a like a little bit more silliness or comedy is a is a way that I have like great success with getting people to do things that they normally um wouldn't do not the only way but it's certainly I think it's an important way to keep that playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And even I think if like, I'm really grateful that you even just brought that up of like, if somebody, how do you, you know, maybe someone's listening to this and wanting to move more, but it does feel awkward or they maybe feel alone in it of how could they even create their own game in a day of this exciting game you're going to play of, you know, I'm waiting in line at the post office or I'm at the grocery store and, you know, how many weird looks can I get, you know, in the morning? I don't, you know, I don't know, but just to, to that even just allows it to not take yourself so seriously and to not be so worried about whatever you're perceiving people are thinking and instead mm-hmm. just get to do what your body wants to do. But perceiving um, people thinking is big because I've often people will say to me like, oh, if I did that, people would look at me and think, and I'm like, well, they're, maybe they're looking at me and thinking that too, or maybe they're not, they're probably not. They're usually not. <laughs> They're, Just, usually not. <laughs> They're usually not. Or what I've been finding in like even the airport, um, this was recently and I was right at my gate. It was super crowded, but I was about to go, I was flying from Newark to Paris. And I was like, I need to move and stretch before getting on this flight. So I literally found this little corner, but there was a large group of women right around it that were clearly all together. So I just let them know. I was like, hey, just a heads up. I'm going to be moving because I was like, my butt's going to be like right by you and but as I started moving, they're all like, we should be doing that. And a couple of them started to join me. And I think one for, for me, it just gave me more permission to just name to the people right in my visit because it was close. It's like, hey, I'm going to start moving just heads up. And and then it was fun that they just were like, I want to be doing that too. I've been surprised how many times people are like, oh, I should be doing that more. I, yeah. Yeah. So with that, I want to talk about um, two things, two topics that are on your bio because it speaks to this of movement positivity and constructive misbehavior. Um, yeah, let's, I'll just have you, I can just in, in lieu of everything we're talking about and allowing in just more natural movement, more movement through your day. What do you mean by movement positivity and constructive misbehavior? Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the phrase of movement, like movement positive really was inspired by what we hear in terms of like sex positivity or body positivity. Um, but we, we know we are in a societal lack of enough movement and that, that the evidence of that manifests in, in many, many different ways. And, you know, not always ways that people directly attribute to movement like mental health um, or, you know, even, our the ways that we're we're structuring our homes our workspaces the physical environments that we are in are 
a big part of the reason that we're lacking movement. It's not because we didn't go to the gym enough times, but it's the actual spaces that we frequent and the um, social setups that we're in aren't encouraging us to move and they're probably doing the opposite through like kind of cultural codes of conduct, what's appropriate, what's professional, what's good manners in this situation. Like all of these things are just, are keeping us from moving, not mm. just when we're with others, but when we're on our own. So um, it, it's not just the spaces we're in, even the things that we wear, like a lot of the ways that we clothe our bodies restricts movement. Um, so mm. for me, movement positivity, it is a lot of things. And one is it's kind of a, a scale of like, is this thing, let's say a shoe, is it inhibiting the, the natural way that your foot moves in some ways? Is it, is it taking away for your possibilities of movement or is it allowing your, your foot to, to do what it does or do what it needs to do? Um, or is your, how's your home environment? Is it, is it, is it, you know, going towards the positive? Is it, in, is it reminding you to move? Is it encouraging move? And maybe is it encouraging movement in not the ways that would require um, choosing to do a thing like having a floor space and some monkey bars. I love that. Yeah. But even like having surfaces that you frequently stand on that are a little bit unstable mm -hmm. uh, or like you're just going to create more of these really small scale micro oscillations all throughout the day. Um, and then beyond that is the, the, that in so many of the movement environments that people are a part of, there's, there's pretty tight rules of what's appropriate. And there's a lot of um, pedestaling or like shaming different forms of movement for being more or less valid or, um, you know, that, that, oh, that's stupid. This is real movement and, and, and so forth. And uh, I, I wish there was a lot more just general celebration of anybody who's actually moving rather than the, the first thing that for a lot of people they tend to do is criticize the the choices mm. that are being made oh that person's walking weird you know mm. rather than like first just going hey we like we want more of this of course you can overdo everything but like just societally like more movement these are these are good things so it doesn't matter if you think it's a silly aerobics workout with pink weights like first <laughs> like you know, celebrating it and not trying to create as much of a hierarchy or any hierarchy within within forms of movement. Um, so all of that together that that's a that is a that is a part of this. Yeah, I mean, that's a great thing. breakdown all the way from like the shoe you're wearing um, to how your home is set up to even the hierarchy that can seem to exist in the movement and fitness industry. Um, because I love that, yeah, just like wanting movement positivity, just celebrating more and more movement. If somebody's moving, it might be different than what you do or what you think is quote unquote the best. But if they're having a good time and enjoying it, amazing. Celebrating yeah. that and not needing to criticize or make your way better. And that, and that doesn't mean that there's not, you know, that we're going to turn away from opportunities for improvement or growth. Not at all. But it's important that we leave that up to people that are seeking it rather than people trying to uh, let others know that there's something not right about what they're doing. Because yes. that just 
contributes to our our collective like shame and armoring around moving your body and being able to autonomously identify what would nourish you because people are so afraid of doing the wrong thing or like to looking you know the irony is like we're afraid of looking like beginners so much we are afraid of looking like beginners looking you know this like that weird became such a such a uh a place that people don't want to tread into mm. yeah because it's it alarm it's alarming for people to see somebody moving in ways that we that we've deemed as uh you know like inappropriate or that that is signaling that there's something wrong with a person uh like wildly waving your arms there must be something wrong with this individual if they're if they're moving that way and they're not uh, playing a sport at the same time yeah, that's an important distinction that you just made. So I'm glad that you made that of, yeah. Um, and so with that, what, w- what would you speak to in constructive misbehavior? Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Emily, and I am interrupting this podcast interview to let you know about an offering that I have. If you are a woman and you are currently in your story of really feeling challenged in regards to your relationship with your body, where it feels like a struggle. It takes so much energy or time to get dressed in the morning because you just feel like nothing really looks good on you. Or you've noticed you're constantly obsessing or worried over food of how much or how little you should eat or how much or how little you should exercise and using exercise or movement more for punishment and just overall feeling not good in your own skin feeling maybe sluggish, tired, feeling disconnected, maybe even feeling ashamed. If you resonate with that and are ready and desiring some support to help create a shift in that narrative, then I invite you to schedule your complimentary Embracing Radical Embodiment call with me today. This is a completely free call. It will just be you and I, and I will support you in at least having one tangible takeaway step from that call. So even from that free call alone, you will have a tangible action or new insight or awareness embodiment practice that's specific to you that will support you in starting to shift the needle of being stuck in the narrative that our worth, that our enoughness is tied into the way our physical appearance looks and instead be able to connect with yourself and connect with your body. And of course, on that call, if it feels like a fit mutually, I will let you know what it would look like to work longer term with me one-on-one. But there's no pressure and it's always a joy for me, honestly, to get to connect with women in that way through those conversations because the story specifically around our bodies, there's a lot of shame involved with it. And when we are in that shame loop, if we are not sharing that story with another trusted support, then we're only feeding the shame. Shame feeds and lives in the shadow by being internalized, by our ego telling us that we can do it all on our own, that we're okay, that when the truth is, we need support, especially if you are feeling like you are unhappy with your body. It doesn't have to be that way. The rest of your life doesn't have to be with you obsessing over pounds on the scale. 
I know this because I've been there. I've been on that side and I know what it feels like to really honestly, truly love and embrace my body exactly as my body is. So if you are interested in scheduling that call with me, the Embracing Radical Embodiment call, be sure to look at the show notes in the podcast link. And if you can't see it there, you can go to my website, radicalembodiment.com. And if you go to where it says like work with Emily one-on-one, there's a link right there that'll take you to schedule that call. So go to the show notes, go to radicalembodiment.com. And thanks for letting me interrupt this episode to share that with you. Now back to the interview. That these it's like codes of conduct, mm-hmm. sometimes they're written out. Usually they're not. They're just like something that we kind of all understand. We're, we're in the grocery store right now. At what level of knee flexion, when like bending my knees, right? At what level of, of bending my knees would it be weird to walk down this aisle? Because I could walk with my legs, you know, walking as I normally do. Or like, how big can my stride get before it starts to be like, oh, that, that's strange. That's a little mm-hmm. bit weird. And so that's like the misbehaving is like to break these codes of conduct, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit, but it's ultimately doing something very constructive. And that is that it's getting you to move in more varied ways. It's getting you to recognize that the opportunities to to play with any moment, they are always there. Like you can play with any moment that you pass through. Um, and that as people start to see somebody walking down the aisle, let's say they're pushing their cart and doing some kind of like little walking lunge or like waddling, kind of swishing their tail feathers side to side, more people will be intrigued and get this sense of permission, then they will be uh, distraught at someone's self-expression. Those people exist, but we are, we, we have to work on letting, not letting those, um, those like actually the rare people that are, that are disturbed by a little bit more movement than we are normally doing uh, inhibit us, not inhibit us in this moment, but it's, long-term consequences of whittling down your capacity because you're trying to fit into codes of behavior. If we do, if we move in the ways that we're supposed to move in our home, in our workplaces, like it doesn't even matter in, in the park, mm-hmm. usually people suffer because of it. Their capacity for movement is, is so much smaller than we are structured to move like you 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 aren't moving like a human you aren't moving like a human if you follow the common codes of behavior so i am encouraging people to do a little bit of misbehavior which might mean misusing the gym equipment or um mm. yeah like the grocery store example even in your own office space like have you ever been upside down in your office chair in some way let's do it right now here <laughs> like, I, get, I, well, not- I mean i have a i have a massage table in my office and i often <laughs> At least once a day, I try and I get upside down, but not that way, but I go, yeah. Right. So I'm on a podcast. I know that lots of people can't see this, but you know, I have this like wobble stool. And usually on a podcast, you don't like (laughs) belly spin spin on a wobble stool. And here I am like nearly falling over. Yeah. This is is horribly embarrassing for a lot of people, but I do it on Zoom meetings for business things. And people usually go, wow, 
I'm so glad you're moving or it looks like you're having a good time. Yeah. Um, it does look like you're having a good, I'm like, I want to get a wobble stool. That right. looks fun. I want to spin in circles. <laughs> you can spin in circles and fall over. It's so much yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, but you know, then that, that's just an example. Cause like we've kind of come to know we're, we're doing this serious thing. It's like a podcast or we're on zoom. We need to face forward, but do you, I still have a microphone on. <laughs> I am normally, if it's, if I'm not doing an interview on zoom, I'm honestly normally laying on the floor and I'm rolling around and foam rolling. Cause I cannot, I have a challenge time to sit on zoom and what you, what you said, Marlo. And I think that like our, all of these ways of if we're trying to fit in to a certain way and, and shifting our movement, inhibiting our movement, how that's limiting our movement capacity. Um, I mean, this might be a broad reach, but I really believe if we're, the more limited our movement capacity is, the more in, in the embodiment world, also then the more limited our emotional capacity is, our mental capacity, our capacity to be with what is in life, to, to be with the difficulties, the hardships, the emotions that come up. Because movement is key. Movement is what allows us to increase elasticity in the body, to increase, I mean, there's there's so much, right? But if so if we're continuously, we only move in this little box in this linear way, I think that really is a detriment to our overall well-being completely. Yeah. And and there's there's a you know something that I always want to be mindful of, and yeah. that is that you know, people lose capacity or, or yeah. are disabled. And that does not mean like, because they're not able, not as able-bodied as another that then um, would be limited in terms of self-expression, Yeah, you know, but with the capacity that anyone has, do you feel free to access it? And not, and I'm, I'm going beyond like, the the you know like having the mobility to but this like sense uh that you have access to play with what you have what your capacity with what is. you're capable of completely are you yeah are you willing to play and if there's a like there's not a willingness are you willing to find out why are you willing to try and that's like that's really what's important and and certainly impacts the way that you're going to engage with others your environments like your role as a member of this ecosystem um so we we you can't you cannot um be in practice of ignoring your body's request to move and then have the have the capacity to move and then not suffer because of it in some way because that is that is that is the disembodiment that you know going back to the initial question yeah yeah and i mean i'm glad that you even just brought the course of some you know somebody does have a disability isn't you know fully able-bodied there is just more of the willingness to access whatever your potential is in your body um yeah which and, and not all be, days people feel no like i mean i, I remember there. working yeah. with a client for a while she was a coaching client and she was recovering from total hip replacement and so all of our it wasn't an in-person like rolfing any manual work it was all coaching over the phone but we were really working with movement and we so we did a lot with her breath and her initial mm -hmm. healing right because movement can or breath can provide so much movement um yeah you know even like let, let's say 
um, hands. You know, if, if, if you have a function in your hands, there's dance forms, like entire dance forms, tutting, finger tutting, waving, that you can do incredible storytelling, rhythmic coordination activities, like with just the hands and the wrists. And um, that, you know, it's an example of like a, a simple movement practice that sometimes is really helpful for people to drop in at any moment, like, you know, feeling their hands, touching yeah. hand to hand, but that can go so far in, in, in like an art, an artistic endeavor or like that there's a, you know, even an in vogue dance or something called hand performance, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, choose your part of the body. Um, there's, there's some, somebody who was with, perform some kind of sideshow stuff who just did like tricks with their scapula because they were so good at like isolating and moving their shoulder blades at, at these like rhythmic intervals that um you know we we have we have any area of the body can become grounds for like deep focus and flow state and and even like levels of artistry that you might not have ever considered uh mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. yeah um i'd like to on this note um since you are like a fan and mover of moving in what people might name as weird ways in conventional <laughs> areas uh i think most recent um you shared a post on instagram of you were using trx and undulating your spine and you were doing all sorts of things and you were on the post talking about toxic linearity um so it feels like an important thing to start discussing and what what yeah what that yeah. what happened with that post what you mean by toxic linearity and well it, you know first this is an example of how just the, a tiny thing can can snowball and this was i film a lot of stuff i do in the gym and um you know when i'm filming I, i'm usually not like oh i'm making a piece of content <laughs> i wish i knew how to plan that well i don't i just film stuff that i'm doing and sometimes i go i throw it in my instagram stories and uh, this phrase just passed through my mind of like, ah, oh, toxic linearity. I'm, I'm working against it. Threw it in my Instagram stories and I had a lot of responses to it. People go, wow, what is that? Or I love that phrase. So it was resonating with people or like striking curiosity. And mm -hmm. I shared it and it started rolling out of the sphere of people who rapidly embrace this idea. And like, they're like, I know exactly what you mean by that. That's why I don't go to the gym. I don't, that's why I don't go to the gym. Um, and into people that perhaps the word toxic was uh, a word that made it difficult for them to be receptive to the, the rest of the message or read the caption, <laughs> you know, that old thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, toxic linearity is I, I, when I, when, if you are to just for a moment picture, when we think exercises like in the gym and fitness the ways that bodies are moving, um, you know, it might be, there's going to be a lot of just forward stuff. So like sagittal plane movement. Um, it's like repetitions of some, like the same thing again and again, um, which is fine. We have to, we have to repeat things to, to become skillful in them, but there's, there's very little oscillation and spiraling and undulation, which are the ways that we are best suited 
to deal with kinetic energy or meaning like the, the energy of a body in movement. If you look at high level athletics, like people throwing stuff really hard, punching martial arts, there's, there's spiraling and twisting mm. all over the place. Or, um, when, when we need to, you know, move from point A to B, there are these like these waves of energy that are passing through our body. And if it's difficult to picture in a human, you know, like the, this classic, uh, slowed down uh, videos of like dropping a cat and the way that they like, you know, kind of mm. coil and they absorb and there's just so much like sponginess and wave like very fast, very fast waves in their body. But it's, it's removed from our fitness culture for the most part. Um, and that, that, that has very real implications for, for people's motor skills and for their, even their ability to deal with the real life situations, like the typical gym exercises don't prepare you to fall on ice. Well, no, you know, I was just thinking about yesterday. It's been really icy in Boulder and I'm always walking my dog and I have this very icy parking lot by my office. I'm like, this is, yeah. Like yeah. all the power yoga in the world or like mm. just typical strength training does not prepare you for the, like off the vertical axis, mm -hmm. single leg, rapid groin stretch that might happen in ice. And then the ability to like, to fall and, and roll well, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's really been removed. And this is like, you know, the more ancestral movement wisdom that we see in traditional movement practices, like traditional dances, indigenous Aboriginal dances from around the world, there are pulsations and elasticity and like coiling, uncoiling. Um, it's just with, and, and, and martial arts forms within there and just like totally removed from the common gym culture. So mm -hmm. that is a reference to linearity. There's like the, uh, the kind of the worship of lines and squaring uh, also within the dance world. There's a phrase used about somebody's lines, meaning like the usually reference to their ability to like hyperextend their knees and point their toes really well. And when somebody says, wow, they have such nice lines, usually that's because somebody trained since childhood to have a skeleton that matches our, you know, ideals. I don't know, like these ideals that were established over the last like couple hundred years through the lineages of ballet. So there's that, like this obsession with the lines that a body can make, the focus on um, the, the the picture that is made in a moment in time, rather than the longevity of a mover or the experience of the person moving. Yeah. And um, and this, the others, there's so many examples of where the ways that we think about movement is start goes more in lines in terms of progression rather than in uh coils and that that we can get better at something by it completely transforming into something else so like progression might mean morphing that a practice disintegrates and becomes something new that doesn't mean that you quit something um and that's that's something that people sometimes struggle with they feel really stuck in their practice and uninspired by their practice because this kind of like the only way that we're progressing is if we're getting better in these more like linear notions uh, that rather than it becoming something that can change like mo moment to moment over the course of a lifetime is going to change unrecognizably. Yeah. And, and, and allowing for wonderful. like, 
the the visual that I'm that I'm seeing is like it could go this direction or this direction and like just more circular versus you know I, I I we spoke a little bit about this before we started recording but I say this to every single coaching client of mine when we first start working together of the healing journey the personal growth like journey isn't linear and I think we often do ourselves a disservice because we have this idea of oh, I'm going to like start feeling better about myself or this is going to start feeling easier and then I'll just get easier and better and better. And then like a speed bump hits or roadblock and you're triggered and you're like, oh my God, I'm all the way back to where I was. And I think that can show up maybe similarly a little different in a movement practice as well. And I think it's a disservice when we have this expectation that it's a linear progress um, cause I don't think any healing and growth is, is linear. There are layers, um, sometimes even in, in the, um, like structural integration, Rolfing world, we, a simple way to talk about like the, the peelings of an onion and the, and the layerings, um, which might happen in a circular progress. It might happen, you know, you're feeling good. And then there's a little this, and I feel those speed bumps, those plateaus, those moments when a body signal or an emotional signal is loud are actually gifts. I think it's opportunities to take a moment and pause and be like, okay, is this really serving me? Is this, what is it that's desiring to be expressed? Um, yeah. Plateaus. That's a, that's a, it's a frustrating place to be. And it's um, a, a word that I hear a lot particularly is that, you know, I teach pole dance and um, when we are in a rush to have a capacity that we might not really be prepared to express, we often get this feeling like you've come to a standstill. Um, and being a little more willing to play with exactly what your body is presenting as possible right now spend a little bit longer in the positions that you find yourself in like get get into the in-betweens a little bit more kind of like this internal massaging of like mm -hmm. okay I hear I'm here right now what what can I learn from or notice in this moment in this position that I've never noticed before because progression and growth, like expanding your awareness of what you're doing is also a form of progression. But when we are frustrated about what we're, we're like labeling as a lack of growth or like we're getting worse or we're plateauing, we don't pay attention to those things. Um, totally. And then it becomes even more important to just take it out and wiggle it out. You know, if somebody's saying I'm feeling stuck, I'm like, oh, okay, I think what, what we need is some rhythmic movement and, you know, like a bounce fest. <laughs> we need to bounce it out because uh, that literally we, we need to shake up. We need to shake up that feeling of, of stuckness and flatness that it, yeah. we're equating with a plateau or regression. Shake it up. Yeah. Shaking something. Shaking, I'm shaking right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's amazing what that can release what that can create more mm -hmm. like be even the, the more capacity or space to be with those in-between moments right when you can just shake it off and yeah I, I feel like having a dog she's such a good example of that you know anytime we're out or shifting and she has a like a quick moment of agitation or like trauma she just shakes and then she's good she moves beyond um so um, amazing. 
I feel, I feel like I could ask you so many more questions, but time-wise, um, yeah, I, I'm going to kind of start to bring us to, to yeah. close and to summary. And um, what I'd, yeah, I guess the question I like to end with one of them is being with everything we just talked about, um, your one main takeaway, which can sometimes be hard to make it just one, but that everyone should do who wants to live a more radically embodied life. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's coming down to like breaking rules, breaking these rules that you've, you've inherited that yeah. are unsaid or perhaps that you've set for yourself. But usually it's, there's a, there's a lot of inheriting the rules that we, we are setting for ourselves. Um, but making it a little like that can i enjoy the mischief of it like can you can you like ooh, play with that a little bit and and that can start with you know if you're sitting on something right now like rocking or bouncing on the chair or um as you are even like washing dishes move your pelvis more than you would normally move and if somebody from your family comes in great <laughs> <laughs> figure out your excuse I'm doing a mischief practice <laughs> um yeah that's I think that it, it just it, it starts to I, I feel this like simmer of it stirring stirring up stuff that's been stagnant there's a there's a playfulness there's a oh you know this that is the the thinking outside the box so to speak and it's moving outside of the box which will um surely invite some other positive shifts in the in our disposition completely yeah it's like shaking the cobwebs i mean think like the cobwebs in the fascia the stagnation just yeah. it, shake it like mm -hmm. and it's i love how you just name that of even if somebody walked in on you and what are you doing just oh i'm playing a mischievous game it's so simple <laughs> right <laughs> and they're just like and then they I might be curious like do you want to play do you want to play this <laughs> mischievous game <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> dipping your toes into the pool of weird is a uh, where the great place to go like how much of your body are you willing to dip into the weirdness today um i want you eventually to be like swimming in the deep end and like rubbing it into every cell in your body because promise it'll feel better it, it'll feel better <laughs> yeah 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 amazing um how can people find more about you about your work yeah. um yeah, if they want to, they're ready to more than just dip their toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my website is flowmovement.net. Uh, unfortunately, flowmovement.com was owned by a plumber back in the really? day. Really? <laughs> That's funny. You know, I don't know if they still have it, but anyway, yeah. um, I'm quite active on Instagram. So Marlo Fiskin on Instagram is probably where you can get the most a real-time sense of what what these things that I was speaking about today, what those actually look like. There's a lot of video evidence there of, of that. Yeah. It's good video inspiration to help your own midst of this game as you are I, ready to like, what, what would be a little bit like, you know, as you're walking out the door, going into your car, just playing with that, what, how could I elicit a little bit more movement that feels good? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like your Instagram's a good inspiration for for that. Awesome. And those will all be linked on the show notes too. So you can find those. Um, amazing. Thank you so much, Marlo. I Thank like, you. just appreciate for like what you're sharing. And I hope I, I know for myself and I hope for listeners, it's 
um, provoking some new ways of thinking about movement, your movement practice, and even just your you know day-to-day -day life and how you're choosing to live, how your house is set up. Well, thank you for creating a platform channel podcast to to share these things that I care so much about. So thank you for having me. It's my honor. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. everyone for tuning in and take care. Hey, it's Amelia again. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please, if you haven't already, subscribed to the podcast Radical Embodiment. Download the episode and share it with your friends, family, community. The way Radical Embodiment is growing right now is simply through word of mouth, most specifically women sharing with other women. So please like, subscribe, share, and tune into the next episode.